the Celtics Reddit podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, aka Brutal Gash, and I am pretty chipper because at this moment, there are exactly four Boston Celtics currently in this here city of Sydney, Australia, where I very happily live. Plenty more to discuss on that front. Coming up on the show, Team USA have just completed their pre-World Cup tour of Australia. I was down in Melbourne for the first two games against the Boomers and back in Sydney for the third game against Canada. And joining us, as he always does, Joe, a.k.a. No Scrooge McFly, was very loyally watching all the games on TV over there in New Zealand. So we might just have two different perspectives on all the games there. We'll see. Joe, it's been a while, man. How's things and how's your offseason going? Ben, you haven't missed a beat. You're in you're in mid-season form already, Dude, mate. Thought I was going to be rusty, but I uh, nailed the intro. So. No, clearly not an issue. <laughs> See how we clearly go. Clearly not an issue. Right back on the horse. Yeah, things are going good. I mean, it's um this this I this state's team is good because it's it's interesting. Like international basketball's really going to be like this World Cup's actually going to be genuinely a really interesting tournament. Sure. And yeah. uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And I I um I you know, for those who don't know, like, you know, I'm sure you'll have an idea, but the, the New Zealand-Australian rivalry is, is a bit of a thing. Um, but if the Aussies are playing the United States in basketball, um, I'm pretty happy for them to win. I'm very happy for them to win. In general, you know, I'm more than happy for Ben Stokes to... <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, not, we're not talking cricket on this podcast. I refuse to talk about the Ashes at this point. If you're from Australia, you know what I'm talking about and why. But um, yeah, yeah, I know what you said. We we do tend to unite as nations when it's like one of An us underdog. against like yeah. a super a world superpower. So um, like in football, yeah. I'd be like stoked if you guys like made the semis in the World Cup. You know, sure. like that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was good fun. Um, like I said, down there for both games. Um, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, I want to like the whole it's been a great week it's been a really good week for uh, myself I can only speak from my perspective but I'm sure from many basketball fans from from this part of the world just like starting with waking up one morning and and like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown uh, Instagramming like places that I have been regularly starting in Melbourne and I'm like I have been to that hotel I've seen that view and that doesn't sound like much but when you like you just obsess over the team and these players and 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 follow them on all forms of social media and suddenly their lens is capturing your world it's kind of surreal I went to sleep the night before they arrived and was looking at, you know, NBA Instagram and it's all the guys boarding the plane and they're all like posing in front of the camera being like, see you soon, Australia. And, you know, I'm a 32 year old man. These are kids in their (laughs) early 20s. And I'm like, I'm like a Beatles fan in the 60s just like going to bed that night like i can't i can't wait to wake up in the morning and see them tweeting about like you know being in australia and having a good time and sure enough i wake up and it's them like getting off the plane and walking into the hotel and there's the city of melbourne like through the lens of jason tatum's phone and i'm like great i'll be down there in a couple of days can't wait to just get amongst it i I knew there were going to be lots of good basketball fans down there and that everyone would be sort of like descending upon melbourne as a city just to to get amongst Mm. the the vibe there and was it sort of like a big aussie hoops convention kind of yeah like um like there's 50,000 diehard hoops fans in Australia and they were all there. Was it sort of yeah, like that? It or? started in, at the airport in Sydney and like me and my mate, my, my best mate Dice, shout out to Dice, he's a, he's a Nuggets fan. So he, he nerded out on Mason Plumley the whole time. Wait, 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 <laughs> another timeout. 
His name's Dice, yeah. like Antonio McDice. Yeah, yeah. Also, and he's a Nuggets yeah, fan. you don't have to time that out. Like, he, is that how we? Is that how he became a fan? Or what? no? So his name is Dice, and we call him Dice for short. Uh, but, so his nickname of his nickname is yeah, Dice. But he he has an Antonio McDice jersey as well. Of course, huge he does. Nuggets fan. And uh, so so me and, and my mate Dice are sitting in the airport in Sydney as like a duo, just with this sort of anticipation of what we're about to, to, to witness. And you could already see there were these other like duos of, of bros like sitting around with the <laughs> matching levels of, uh, of anticipation. And then we got on the plane and I had loaded up NBA 2K on my laptop and brought two PlayStation controllers. So as soon as the plane took off, as soon as that seatbelt light went off, like the, the basketball nerd weekend was on and we were playing. <laughs> 2k on the plane and like i definitely heard people behind us being like oh like those guys are playing 2k and like we everyone was just loving basketball the whole time so it started at the airport it continued on the plane um and there were people on the sky bus from melbourne airport you know with us heading into the city you could tell that there were so many people there for that occasion so there was this there was yeah. this buzz before we even arrived in melbourne and then going into game one like i couldn't sleep the night before um Wow. Okay. How many hours are we talk? Like, how late were you? Like? Oh, so the night before Christmas. Basically, vibes. like we stayed up playing two K um, and just like watching highlights. And um, I, I brought down with me a huge pack of of basketball cards, like a, a case, and we op- a box rather a case, Sorry, a box, um, a box of of packs, and we opened them all up and we put aside a little pile of of cards. Um, of, of players who were going to be playing in the game that we would take to the game with us with a little marker to potentially get signed. None of that happened. But um, Another timeout. Sure. Did you get any sweet inserts or autograph cards out of this box? Uh, or was it uh, like a, a... I did. Um, I can't remember his name. It was like a, a very obscure Atlanta Hawks player where it had like a little jersey cut out. Alex Lean? No, it was more obscure than that. It, uh, he's a wing player. Um, I would know the name if I heard it, but uh, it was like, oh, great. Hey, that, that hang guy. on, we're basketball news. Sorry, we've got to get this. Okay, so it's not like Mike Scott who was on the Hawks from back in the I'm gonna, day. I'm going to bring up the Atlanta Hawks roster. It's not Herder. Herder, you definitely no, know Herder, I right? I would have tweeted at Ryan Rosillo. It's not Baysmore. Yeah, no. <laughs> not Bays. Oh, just looking at the roster here. Jabari Parker's on the Hawks now. Did not know that. Omari Spellman. Uh, yeah, it was. It was Omari Spellman. Yeah, he got it. <laughs> so I have a sweet Omari Spellman uh, jersey signature card or whatever it is. So famously not drafted by the Lakers. Yeah. Um And despite the um the 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 scouting work of their you know of their of their team, and it sounds like Rob Pelinka just overruled it. Anyway. <laughs> Time back in, so you got no Mary Spellman uh, jersey. Yeah, I mean, I only say all of that just to emphasize how much we leaned into the the basketball nerdiness aspect of the trip. Um, Couldn't sleep that night knowing that we'd be getting up and be going to this VIP sort of pregame event that we'd have great seats that there'd be over 50,000 people at the game and that I'd be seeing four Celtics plus some pretty good young prospects, Donovan Mitchell, Miles Turner, to to name a couple. And uh, yeah, anyway, fast forward to, to later that day, about 5 p.m., you know, our apartment is, is right across the road from Marvel Stadium. We head down to this VIP event and um, we just think we, we've got like VIP tickets. And we knew that Tim Hardaway was in town um, and, you know, other um, uh, uh, Alan Houston was also in town and other sort of NBA personalities. Joined the telecast, Alan Houston. Yeah, and, you know, we think that maybe we're, we're going to get a chance at meeting these guys. So we brought... 
um, Tim Hardaway cards and Al Houston cards with us and markers and we had it all. And anyway, we went to walk into the VIP event and they were like, no, you're a third tier VIP. You have to walk down to the end end of the pier and go to the third tier VIP event. And so we walked past what looks just like a banging party with like suits and like, you know, very rich looking people. We walked past what looks like, you know, a slightly less banging party, but still really fun with, you know, still very expensive looking suits and very fancy looking people. And we get to this like third tier VIP party, which just had like people in jerseys and like just dudes, like exactly like us, just like nerding out so hard at the, at the prospect of, of being there. And, uh, it was still fine. Uh, Lauren Jackson, who is like a huge uh, WNBA, you know, Australian star, yeah, uh, Olympic remember. champion. I remember, I remember reading an article about her in One on One magazine. Remember One on One magazine? Uh, yeah, <laughs> surely. I've actually got some old ones. We should, we should do it. We should do like a real niche episode where we flip through some uh, old, old One on One magazines yeah. and just get some. <laughs> prediction anyway um there was an article on her when she was like 18 and she's still still in college uh-huh. and i was like oh man she's kind of cute <laughs> i don't know if that held up i don't know how well no, no, she's, up, she's still a uh a looker she's still... and obviously with the basketball really? acumen that just makes her to me more attractive so <laughs> we were fanning out <laughs> shot Lauren yeah. jackson all right <laughs> and uh and then dante exum shows up and um and my mate who had had a couple of beers at that point, like basically beeline to him and was like, Dante, like, let's get a photo, like autograph. And he was like, yeah, I'm just going to go give this speech and I'll be right back with his eyes, oh, eyes of like, no. I'll definitely never interact with you again. And that's exactly right. what happened. Um, and yeah. he's so, like, as all the young NBA players are nowadays, so media trained and gave all of these very generic answers. But at, at that yeah, point in yeah. time, we felt like we were at something significant because these two, you know, fairly significant Australian basketball personalities were were talking to us. And at that point, we felt pretty good about where we were. And mm. uh, then we headed off to the game. And uh, it was only when we got to the arena that we saw all of the plastic chairs, which I'm sure everyone has heard about okay. at this point. Well, has everybody heard about it? So, I mean... I feel like everyone who cares about this, this particular fixture mm-hmm. does, but maybe not all regular listeners of the podcast did. So please be, tell us. Give us set the scene. What's what's happening? So here? the the games, the two games in Melbourne were at an AFL or, or cricket stadium. So I, I guess imagine a stadium with the magnitude, the size of an NFL stadium, but rather than a rectangular field, it's a oval or very very wide circular field. Um, so it's actually probably slightly bigger than an NFL. I'd, I'd pitch. say so. I, probably substantially so. More like a baseball. Yeah, but, but much larger. But even bigger much than larger. that. Much mm. larger. Um, yeah. And in the middle of that, they plunked a, a basketball court, but it was on a raised platform. And then, so uh. it was a good maybe six feet off the ground. If you stood next to the court, it'd be at about sort of chin chin level. So maybe, you know, five and a half feet off the ground. And then uh, around it, they had just plastic outdoor garden chairs for the Australians $2 Bunnings chairs, I guess, Home Depot <laughs> chairs for the Americans out there. Um, and they're all sort of cable tied together, but they were below the platform that the court was on. So we were lucky. We were in row H, which, you know, I, I think alphabetically is like eight or nine rows back and sitting up very tall. And we had kids in front of us. We were lucky. We could see the court. We could see the full court. So we could see all the players, you know, head to toe, we could see all the action. We had a really good time. 
but you could tell that even if you were just a few rows back from us, you wouldn't have been able to see anything. Not to mention mm. 20, 30 rows back from us, which was the extent of the flat below court seating arrangement. Mm. Um, mm. So there were a lot of unhappy punters, as you can imagine. But, um, you know. At- has there been much in the aftermath of that? Have, have they, has there been like any coverage in the media or are they getting their money back or anything or are they just having to suck Oh, uh, no. Lo- lots of coverage. Uh, I'll get to that for game two because we had um, uh, far less good seats for game two. We're way back in that still flat seated um, portion of the arena. And, you know, like if you've ever bought tickets to a basketball game, you look at the seating map and you get a top-down view of your seats. And, mm. you know, the further back you go, you think, okay, I'm a little further away, but at least they'll be more elevated. And the, the mm. topography or whatever of that seating map gave gave that impression that, you know, we right. might be further away, but we'd be elevated. Um, so you were definitely under the impression that you were going to be above the Absolutely. Court. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. anyone be? And, yeah. and so anyway, yeah. just to get to, to game one very quickly, the, the, the VIP experience... You know, which we did fork out a little bit for segueing into the game. You know, I had a, a Marcus Smart jersey on. I, it was it was definitely the the, the peak of our um, of our uh, Team USA Australia experience. We really forked out for this game, and we went all out. And I thought, you know, who who do I want to represent the most? Who, what player do I think um, represents me the most? And and you know, our podcast and just general Celtics fandom and, and Marcus Smart. Um, was the guy and there were a lot of sort of taps on the back there were a lot of um, compliments of the marcus smart jersey because it's not your you know it's not an mj jersey it's not a durant jersey it's it's a deep cut you can't get that at culture kings yeah you know yeah exactly unfortunately um you've got to buy it online (laughs) (laughs) and um the experience before i get into the the bad stuff was was really good the in arena experience and the atmosphere and we were so close that we could stand up and, and turn around and look at the 50,000 people around us all converging on this one spot to watch this mm. game. And it was amazing. And and Tatum had his one good game in Australia that night. Um, mm. That was one play I remember very vividly towards the end of the game. It was a, a Tatum to Jalen Brown alley-oop that happened like right in front of us. And at that point, like I could have died happy. It was so good. And it was so <laughs> like right there in front of me. Um, and then at the end of the game, we were really close to the railing where all the players would enter and exit the court area. And I was completely decked out in Celtics gear, like a beanie, the jersey, just socks, everything. And uh, I was leaning up against this railing. And um, at the end of the game, they give players these like stupid little rubber balls that have no significance. They give them to them to like throw out to the fans. And I'm mm. leaning on this railing and Jalen Brown is walking out of the arena and he has one of these balls. Um, in his hand and he sees me with all the Celtics um, like I'm I'm not fabricating this at all he sees me with all my Celtics gear on and just like immediately makes a beeline to me and just like hands me this ball yeah and uh, yeah and I'm just like frozen frozen in time you know again it's silly because I'm you know well into my 30s and what he's 22 (laughs) 23 and uh but it just like completely made my night and like, uh, did he? Did you have any interaction? Did you say anything? Or like, oh, you know, I, you I cheered like... them all as they walked past, and I stood there and I high fived Kemba and Tatum and all these guys. Yeah. And my only takeaway from that is just how much bigger they are in person, especially right. Tatum. Like he had no problem. It was a okay. wide lane, like heading back to the dressing room, and he had no problem like stretching Both out his sides. arms and, and high fiving everyone. Where Kemba and like Donovan Mitchell kind of had to pick a side. Um, <laughs> 
Tatum had no problem at all. He looked like a mech warrior. Like just a like they had like a little person in him piloting a much bigger body. He was kind of crazy. Um, but before yeah, before we get to the rest of it, like because game two we had a, a less than positive experience. Um, game one was just awesome, and I was so stoked to um, to see the turnout from everyone in Australia at all right. the jerseys. And it wasn't just Durant jerseys and Steph Curry jerseys, and like there were there was some good strong fandom from like obscure teams like the hornets and the wolves right um so it was a really good good showing what, what was your um opinion what was your experience watching at home on tv well the i mean the experience watching home on tv i'll, I'll kind of flatten both games really together for this one the first one is i mean it's kind of this i guess the same for most people it was weird having it so two to me like it looked like the court was in 2d that was kind of like the conclusion i managed yeah. to, to come to because <laughs> it was so low um and you couldn't there was no depth mm-hmm. you couldn't tell like depth. it was hard to tell almost which side of the court the ball was on and sometimes it was really hard to tell whether the ball had gone through the hoop or not you know like <laughs> there was it was just a, it was just it wasn't that far away from where you would normally get it, but it was far enough away that it was weird. It was it was harder to follow. Um, it made it seem like the the court was really long and it took a long time to to get there. Um, but um, I enjoyed the Aussie commentators. Yeah, I don't know whether it was was it Shane Heal and Andrew Gaze who were who were the I guys think so. on it. They yeah. were. There was this one time in um, game two where they were just absolutely roasting Miles Plumley's. <laughs> free throw shooting form. <laughs> I think they talked about somebody who'd had a beautiful shooting free throw form and um and they said, Oh now Moss Turner, okay, look if you've got if you've got kids, um just tell them to look away right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they had some yeah. like interesting terminology as well. Like whenever someone would ISO, they'd say, Oh, he's going solo uh, which <laughs> that was some other ones uh, use a use a friendly role yeah. there <laughs> yeah like that's you know basketball is so global and it's so interesting that the, the dialect from the commentary perspective is so different from region to region so I have like I have three just general meta takes at this uh-huh. point okay so the first thing is like on like the hero well on the the, 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 the excitement of having them in your city I think like the truth is we do see these guys as kind of mythological creatures almost to a degree. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's almost like heaven invading earth, you know, <laughs> like when they are, you know, where, where we work and live, yeah. it sort of seems impossible. And that's why it's so exciting. Like, like, you know, you know, like as a fan, and, and I don't say this with full seriousness, but it's almost like a spiritual experience, <laughs> right? You know, like, Oh my gosh! These these people who essentially exist in my imagination are real people, and they they here in the same occupying the same earth that I yeah. do. You know, it's pretty nuts for us to sort of wrap our head around. Second one I wanted to pick up on is like just the feeling of fifty thousand Aussie basketball fans because when we're a minor sport like that, you kind of less and less so with the internet, but you do feel like a little, you know, maybe not so much in the nineties when basketball was kind of a fad, but like really through our adult lives it's been like this niche interest right did you sort of feel like um you're part of something that really mattered in australia and did that like did that feel quite cool absolutely yeah Uh, like it was the event in melbourne right like yeah so even for the second game where our seats were not great 
and we had to we actually found a really good vantage point we moved to this like bit behind a bar tent and like um like traversed across this railing and, and found this good spot to stand um mm. but and then the boomers beat team usa and we got to get to that but yeah and, but <laughs> even leading up to that just all of the anticipation uh, and the energy and the vibe coming off of everyone even walking into that first game and, and the second game yeah like it, it felt significant and my my mate and myself said to each other on several occasions like this just feels really good to be at and be a part of it. It right. definitely feels like a first. And I felt, uh, I said to my mate Dice that I don't know if this, there's anything, any merit to this, but that it strengthened our characters as like Aussie hoops people, like that we, right. we made the effort and forked out to, to be at this thing and like really almost participate in it by right. like just being so actively in awe of everything. Uh, and you know yeah. wearing jerseys and and sort of really leaning into it, it just felt yeah. good to be a part of. And like we were, we were giving the the consummate amount of effort, sort of in return to what had been organised for us. Even right. <laughs> in hindsight, however yeah, poorly yeah, it was yeah. organised, it just felt it just felt really good to be a part of, and it did feel significant. Like you'd given some sort of like unequivocal support to this event and sort of paid your dues as a fan, you know, like you'd established your bona fides. Like I care this so much about basketball that I will fork out happily this amount. And if there was an extra, if the second level VIP tickets were on sale, I probably would have bought those. Definitely. Instead, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like yeah. basketball Australia threw us a, a lob and we slammed that shit home. Like we went up yeah. and caught it and absolutely slammed it home. Yeah. We completely leaned into the whole experience uh and we had a really good time and i'm kind of bummed that it's all over now but so happy like, right. i just had the best week i'm you can probably tell i've never talked this much even on our podcasts where the product <laughs> is talking into a microphone um but i just i had such a good time i'm excited to um to catch up and, and talk about it on mic um i guess the question i'm gonna uh, this is my third my third little meta takes this question there is i don't know if you feel this um, I enjoyed the Aussie commentators. I did enjoy them, but I often find when, when I'm even hearing my own voice talk on this podcast, um, we somehow feel a little less legitimate because we don't have American accents. Uh -huh. I don't know if you ever feel All that. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, like the, the, I enjoyed the commentators. I felt it a little bit. And then I was like, no, this is actually quite good. Like this is legitimate basketball analysis. They're not being like, Sometimes in, in our media, like they'll trot out like the rugby commentator to try and cover basketball. And it's, I hate it. Like it's, but you know, we have actual basketball personalities that can get, do a fair job. But the, the accent thing, you always feel like a little cultural cringe. Did you feel like this experience in some way helped to counter that? You know, the experience of this weekend helped to count. Like we are legitimate, serious basketball fans down here. You know, yeah. we have, we're part of the community. Yeah. I'm, I, I, feel like that's almost up to the rest of the world to respond to okay. you know like i have always felt like we're legitimate basketball fans and you know we beat team usa you know a young you know weakened team usa but like we fucking beat those guys so yeah. what better way to to stamp your authority on the fact that we are a legitimate basketball nation or, or region of the globe than to beat you know the the best team out there the best currently assembled team out there um but, you know, mm. I did watch the games. First thing I did after we got back from each game was, like, dial up the full game and watch it just to get the camera angle and just to see what we had just seen. 
And uh, right. yeah, like one of the first notable things was the Australian accents calling out, you know, Jason Tatum and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> Jalen Brown. Brown is just so good with these dunks and it, just didn't, it doesn't sound... Oh, he's just a tremendous athlete, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, like there's, there's no like fluidity to it. There is a sexiness to the American accents, which, you know, which is why they're you know, movie making, the film industry and a lot of sort of audiovisual industries are very popular over there because it's aesthetically and auditory pleasing. Um, and yet, you know, the games are in this part of the world. So that's the commentary you get. And the feedback that I um, picked up on from Reddit was that people, you know, and, and Twitter, the people enjoyed the Aussie commentary and they enjoyed terms like going solo and, and, and sort of Aussie equivalent um, terms to, you know, isolation <laughs> plays and, and stuff like that. It was cool. I think everyone enjoyed it. Cool. All right. Look, I, I, I think, like, I kind of want to save talking about the big Aussie win. I feel like I'm flicking into host mode a little bit here, Ben. I feel like we've reversed roles just for this no, podcast. No, let's take it but... 50-50. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to talk about the game a little bit separate. That I guess the other thing I want to, like, talk about was, like, what was happening in the city? Like, um, what was, you know, were you, like, were you just like talking hoops with randoms or was it just kind of like you went down there with some mates and just stuck with your mates? Was it, what was it like kind of like, what was the vibe in the city? So we, we went down there with three laptops loaded up with like land games. And we went down there with a PlayStation <laughs> as well, loaded up with FIFA and 2k. And we hired this like really nice apartment that was looking over the stadium. And a lot of the time we were just like hanging out, like drinking beers. The ashes was on at night um and there was some Perfect. epl on as well and we were just like playing video games um playing basically switching between like playing like a little land party that we set up with laptops playing like old old versions of call of duty that run on laptops playing nba 2k and doing really nerdy drafts like we'd get back from the game and be like we can only draft players who logged more than like five minutes in that game and we're gonna make those teams and then have a little 2k battle like just super nerdy like basketball video game shit um, so that was mm. that was for the most part what was happening for us in the city. Um, we went and bought a basketball and we went down to the local court and like played some pickup with just some random people who had also been to the games and um, like yeah. that was every, like the court was full the times that we went down there because right. everyone was just like vibing on the basketball in the city. Um, it kind of leads me to something I wanted to talk about, which is the inaccessibility of the players. So Jason Tatum had two events in Melbourne. One was $500 to attend. One was $1,500 to attend. Uh, wow. Aussie dollars. But, you know, the exchange rate isn't, isn't that bad. Still pretty expensive. Comparable. Yeah. Um, comparable enough. And Jalen Brown did an appearance at Foot Locker on Burke Street in Melbourne where the lion was. Like, that was only a couple of blocks from where we were staying, but the lion was just, mm. like, from the Foot Locker Instagram page was around the corner and then another corner and then another corner hours before he appeared. So we didn't really get amongst any of that. Um, mm. But with the, the players in Melbourne and particularly the last few days when the players have been in Sydney, um, I had been walking around with this heightened, <laughs> heightened awareness. That, you know, normally I keep to myself. I don't like to, you know, it sounds weird for the host of a podcast to say, but I don't like to interact with the people out there generally. Um, I like keep to myself and um, I'll, you know, put on a podcast, put on my noise cancelling headphones and, and, and walk where I need to go with purpose. I'll, I won't usually walk around <laughs> looking at the scenery. 
And um, certainly while these players have been in this country, particularly those four Celtics, I have been, my head has been up. I have been alert. I've been looking around to, to, to sort of force any, you know, um, organic NBA player reaction that I could, but alas. And, and have you had any success there? I I did walk around Circular Quay, which is like the touristy area of Sydney yesterday. And um, a, a mile off, I spotted this very, very gangly person pushing a pram and walking with, with two older looking people. And as I got closer, I, I saw that it was Jason Tatum, his parents, and he, was, he had his baby um, in the pram. And the, the first thing that struck my mind was that outside of the context of a basketball arrangement outside of the basketball court jason tatum's height and length is just ridiculously absurd like (laughs) he was so much taller than anyone i've ever seen in sydney like so much taller (laughs) than anyone in in like for miles like it was i spotted him a mile off and immediately knew that he was probably jason tatum at the very least one of the players he just looked so out of place um that was kind of my takeaway but um you know and i had a jason tatum card in my pocket and a a marker because i was walking around sort of thinking i might you know i might run into one of these players it's not very often that you just run into a fucking boston celtic in the middle of sydney um but he was pushing his baby in a pram he was with his parents it was a day off and he was clearly just enjoying that moment so I left him alone. But I did see Greg Popovich eating a bucket of prawns and drinking a glass of wine and tapping away at his laptop. And I like to think that at that moment, he was devising some sort of amazing Greg Popovich play. Um, but again, he was alone and the guy is terrifying. Um, it's probably just on Facebook. <laughs> probably. Yeah. So I left him alone as well. So those, those are my two interactions. <laughs> I, feel, I, I feel like Popovich, I, I feel like the Popovich is more of a missed opportunity. I feel like he could have tried to play off, hey, Pop, can I have a quick comment? Yeah. You know, something like that. You know, and he might, you might have got a chuckle out of him. You yeah. Know? But hey, look, I think it's pretty neat that you ran into them in the wild, as it were. Yeah, I definitely looked, I mean, in hindsight, I probably looked at Jason Tatum a little bit too long for, for a <laughs> man of my age and a man of his age. Um, but, you know, that moment's passed. I can't do anything about that. What, what, what are you going to do? Um, but you know, I think that the the kind of people who get autographs, who get selfies, are the people who push through those barriers and just approach them anyway. Yeah. And uh, I, I I'm just not that person. Like I just I feel too. Fair enough. I just man. felt too self conscious and and conscious of their like the moment that they were having on their day off, and I just didn't want to bother them. So anyway, yeah. Now they're gone. <laughs> I, I I think that makes sense though. Like, what you know, we. I've kind of joked about the pop thing, but we don't actually want to be a negative experience for someone that matters to us. Yeah. Like that doesn't make sense, right? You, you, why would you want to do, to be that for someone that, you know, and your little world's important. Um, it seems like a bit of a losing sort of situation, right? So that makes sense, man. But what was not a losing situation, Segway. Such a pro. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, how awesome was game two? Actually, no, I've got a bit. I've got a bit on this. Please, please. Okay. And the reason why I understand, this is this is where I'm going to start my take from. So New Zealand, we're home of the All Blacks. Okay. Now, the All Blacks are probably the greatest team that competes in something 
that's competitive to be honest oh, yeah yes so, sorry yeah you unfortunately i dare i say this on something that is being published but you, yeah you're probably right like you know like this you know that this the united states basketball has just had too much dominance for too long like whereas whereas you know new zealand is really dominant uh, anyway that's not the point the point is, every time, like literally every time we step out onto the field against, particularly against the Northern Hemisphere nations, not so much against um, Australia and South Africa, the All Blacks aren't playing the other team, right? They're defending, they're defending themselves as invincibles. Like every time they step out there, so every game actually matters, right? Every loss matters. There's a reason, like I... You know, most of you listeners won't know this, but like Ireland beat us for the first time ever, um, like two or three years ago. It was in Chicago or whatever. That it was just an exhibition game. Like it was, it was in Chicago. It was at Soldier Field, and um, and and honestly, like, this I can so see why that happens, right? But the All Blacks, every time they go out there and they play the Irish, to that point, they've never beaten them. They're defending being invincible. Right, and it was just an exhibition game. It wasn't in the context of a tournament or or whatever where we would beat them, you know. But um, that game still really mattered, right? It would be because do you know what I'm saying? It's like even though it's an exhibition game, yeah. that mattered because we're defending the all black the notion of the all blacks as invincible, mm-hmm. and it's the exact same for the for the for the you know the not the dream team but the U.S. men's national team, right? They're defending the notion of NBA players as essentially being invincible. That's what that's what's at stake. And guess what? The Aussies came up and they flip and took it from them. They flip and took it from them. And and I had this tweet to Corrales, like it was, it was totally ignored. But like you know, in Paddy Mills's like oeuvre, like let's just imagine Paddy Mills was like a fringe Hall of Fame player. Like let's just say he'd had like an Andre Iguodala level career. Sure. Right, um, so it's like fringe Hall of Fame, you know. Like I think that this game would really matter, in in the case for him being a a a, a Hall of Famer, because it is so significant for a nation the size of Australia. Okay, so Australia's tiny. Australia's twenty million people. Australia's LA, right? Basically, and and it's and 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 within Australia. Um, in terms of like sheer popularity, right? You've got Aussie rules, you've got the two rugby codes, mm-hmm. you've got football, and you've got cricket. Sure. At the very least, all five of those sports rank ahead of basketball. by some margin. Of basketball Absolutely. by some 100%. margin. Right? Yeah, no doubt. So imagine the, so, so this is a staggering like, accomplishment. This would be like if like the LA rugby team, right? Managed to beat the New Zealand, like the Aussie rugby team or the New Zealand rugby team, which, by the way, is actually impossible. Like the Australians <laughs> have done something that's actually impossible yeah. to do. Yeah, it's, they've actually done it, it, and it's a staggering achievement. It's staggering. It's like if LA and, Galaxy and, beat Barcelona in like a, a an exhibition football game, European football. Bro, it's if like the Waitakere City Rangers. <laughs> Big bloody Barcelona, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was huge, and it's, and I honestly feel like it hasn't been given its due. Like no. it, it's actually, and it's it's almost like because Australia has just happened to produce a really good generation of players, mm-hmm. it, it's 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 not been given the recognition. It's it's impossible. Like it should be impossible for for Australia to beat the states in basketball. It should be impossible, yeah. and it happened. 
you know, it happened with top against top quality talent. Yeah, top top quality talent. I mean, obviously, I, I do think the victory was diminished a little bit due to the final roster that, that they ended up beating. You know, like there was no, you know, there was no AD, there was no Harden, there was no Paul George, certainly no LeBron. Like it wasn't like they went out and beat the NBA All-Stars, but they did beat a Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, Jeff Van Gundy coached squad of of young, talented, you know, very okay. recognizable NBA players. That did happen. Here's, here's, yeah, here's why I'm going to push back on that. Every single one of those players who was on that team could have been on on the team with AD or the other superstars. Sure. And, yeah, true. Right, none of those players were not of were not USA national team caliber. They were all that caliber. So guess what? If Ireland beats the All Blacks second stringers, that's still an All Blacks team, you know, or even our third stringers, you know, it's still an All Blacks team. Sure. It still counts, yep. man. You know, it still absolutely counts because they that is the team that's considered invincible, even with third stringers out there. And they still flip and beat them. A tiny country where basketball barely matters, you know? Yeah, and, and we, we have been watching, like, specifically or particularly Patty Mills go up against the USA since 2008, I think, is my earliest mm. memory of this, like, very zippy, fast, talented, small guard, like, taking it to the States and, and always with some individual success. And this time, in front of 55,000 people, he completely took over the fucking game. Completely yeah. took over the game and was just draining everything. Uh, and I, I don't know what else to say. It was it was a magical experience to witness that as a part of a 55,000 people crowd um, in Melbourne, you know, in arguably the basketball capital of Australia. Um, everyone was so into it. And, and the games up until that point had been pretty quiet there was almost like this respectful mm. politeness in the crowd um there wasn't sort of heckling or, or cheering that you would hear in like a footy game where you kind of give a bit of shit to the players and you yell out you know some uh to put it lightly negative remarks there was none of that it was, <laughs> it was all very respectful and um because i think there was a mutual respect obviously for our boomers but everyone was kind of starstruck a little bit by mm. team usa and it was quiet. It was a, everyone was sitting there with their hands in their laps watching. That was my experience of the first game and even most of the second game. And then as soon as the idea that, hang on a second, maybe the Boomers are about to come back and beat Team USA, as soon as that idea became apparent to everyone, the 55,000 people crowd went absolutely nuts and remained that right. way um, for ages. And there was just something about that many people all looking down Unfortunately, some people looking up at this court um, and just all just really vibing on this, really urging the boomers to come back. You know, like we've watched, we've all watched playoff games and like important regular season games where a 20,000 seat arena, a Madison Square mm. Garden, a TD Garden gets behind their team. 55,000 people doing that in a stadium. That's a lot like, of people. I've never experienced anything like that before. And the fact that they came out with the win, like it was just incredible. And the vibe afterwards, 
was amazing and it was so good to be a part of. And I'm so proud of Patty Mills and, and yeah. Bainsey who had a couple of good games uh, and was like hitting threes, like, <laughs> which was awesome. <laughs> I feel like Bainsey was the only Australian who celebrated properly. Like, did you see yeah, Bainsey uh, walking on the on the right yeah. on, the, on the path? Out? <laughs> he was properly into it. <laughs> Can't blame him. He's been there for the most part with uh, with Paddy Mills and certainly Bogut as well. Um, just to see them get that win, like it was everything to those guys and for a lot of people in the arena. But I have to call out the fact that there were certainly there were definitely for every Australian there who was stoked that we had finally beaten Team USA, there was like an NBA fanboy who was Devo. That was devastated that Team USA had lost. <laughs> so there was definitely really? that 100%. Absolutely. Like, oh, you know, like I, I remember thinking like, oh shit, like Jason Tatum didn't play very well. And that sort of crept into my thoughts after the game. I was still ecstatic that Australia won. But as a Celtics fan and as a Tatum fan, like that, that thought was in my mind as well. And I, I think there are a lot of people who got hit harder by that. So that was interesting. Ugh, I don't understand that. Like, I, I don't. Like, I can admit, that's just not our sporting culture. No. <laughs> like, that's just not, you know? I, I don't understand. Whatever, man, whatever. Anyway, I wanted to make another point about the game, if that's all Please. right. I really think you were helped by not having... Ben Simmons and just like just generally the NBA guys, mm -hmm. you know, I think you got like Ben Simmons. If you want to like smash New Zealand by 50 points, yeah, Ben Simmons makes Ben Simmons will take care of that. Like, but in a game against the States, like my observation of the Australian team, and now we're probably talking about stuff that Celtics fans don't care about at all, but like it's, it's all about Mills, Bogan and Ingles. Like when those three were out on the floor together, like Aussie won. Like they were the better team. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. I I felt like Delhi felt like way more of a bit player there than than those those three. Those three are really really good. Um, definitely in my view, uh, well uh, a class above uh, above Delhi. Agreed. And and in the, the style that Australia had to play to win that game, um, I think would have not being possible if Ben Simmons was playing. It, you had to play slow. You had to work the clock. You had to, you know, run your sets, a lot of that high post stuff with, with Bogut. With Simmons there, there's terrible spacing. There's, um, and he just needs to play fast to be effective. And I don't think that's how you'd beat the States. You can't beat them at their own game like that. So so I, th I thought it was maybe the only scenario in which this is maybe even possible. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Something I noticed about Team USA there, um, and particularly in the Sydney game, which we haven't gotten to yet, where, where the view was a lot better because it was in a basketball arena, um, the Team USA defense uh, had been worried. Like for for a Celtics fan who is a little bit right. concerned about the sort of the the reaction, like the oh the Celtics are shit or whatever reaction based on Team USA potentially losing in this World Cup and and a lot of the makeup of that team being Celtics and being a little bit self conscious about that fact as a Celtics fan, um, the Team USA defense um, had me in a panic at times. Like they do not seem to be on the same page, and like particularly I hate to say it, but like Tatum seemed very lost on defense for all of the games. Um, he con like consistently blew. Um, his coverage and like failed to rotate and just seemed to really not have any good understanding at all as to where he needed to be and when. 
Um, mm. And notably, Tatum is the standout character there for me. But there were certainly other um, other members of the team um, who who also seemed to be in that position. Whereas, you know, you're talking about the Aussie team and their success and, and their ability to play together. They seem to be sort of pulsating and, and breathing as this one organic defense. And, and the USA team just didn't have that at all. Fortunately for Team USA, I think that their offense kind of makes up for that. Whereas like Australia need to leave off of their defense because they just don't have the same offensive firepower. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, that five second call they got when uh, I think Miles <laughs> yeah. Turner was carrying the can at the end, that was flipping yeah, awesome. I could, <laughs> that was so it good. reminded me that that was a rule. <laughs> the five second back to basket <laughs> yeah, rule. Yeah. We never see that. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I do have a couple of basketball takeaways. I tried to remain like cognizant of of the fact that we would talk about this in a semi-analytical format on this podcast after all of this was over. So I tried to take myself out of my sort of fanboy thing for a little bit and and, and make some observations. Um, the first one is not very uh, astute at all, but uh, Campbell Walker and Donovan Mitchell are very good basketball players. Like they were the standout players on Team USA yeah, consistently yeah. for all three games. And excitedly, like Campbell Walker in particular was very, very, very good and knows how to get to the bucket and knows Kimba how to make the right some, play. He cops some flack, Kimba, on the forums. And I was like, this honestly doesn't line up with the game I was watching mm-hmm. where he felt like the dominant offensive force. Like he was clearly the biggest threat. 100%. That the States had. Yeah. You know, Their best clearly. Player. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, Jalen Brown was surprisingly good all round, even on nights where he didn't shoot well. Uh, first of all, it's clear that Greg Popovich really likes him. Uh, like they must, oh, they yeah, must agree on a lot because they seem to have a lot of positive interactions. And uh, of all the players who had bad stretches, and all of them did, with the exception of Kemba and Donovan Mitchell. Jalen Brown consistently got more playing time after his bad stretches, where I found that other players did not. Um, And it sort of all um, came to the precipice in the Sydney game where Jalen Brown was like really the standout player. And of Mm. all the players there seemed like the one guy who just knew like how to ball. He knew where to be, when he needed to be. He knew when he needed to defer elsewhere and not hold the ball. Uh, and, Mm. And very importantly, defensively, he seemed like he really knew like what he was doing and his role on the team. Um, and that led to him sort of high scoring and, and sort of dominating that game um, as much as you can in an exhibition game. Um, Tatum and Chris Middleton, on the other hand, very inconsistent throughout the entire tour uh, with their sort of... Tour, so funny to use that in a basketball context. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I guess the one... That's what it is. Well, yeah, very, very inconsistent. And, and they're... Their shyness, for lack of a better term, peaked in Sydney. Like both of them had terrible games in Sydney, where like Middleton's been bad the whole tour. Tatum had a good game one, um, mm. but I I don't know. Maybe there's there's no reason to panic because I'm I'm mentioning Tatum and Middleton as crappy, inconsistent players in one breath, and we know that Chris Middleton is a good NBA player. So that maybe that yeah. there's not a lot of reason to panic with regards to Tatum there, but like they have not been good lately, and uh, that was very notable, particularly in the Sydney game. Yeah, I'm. I to be honest, I don't actually care that much. Um, yeah. From a, no, no I, I'm not saying like I'm not interested. No, no, I don't no, no, care. No, I I'm saying I'm entirely unconcerned. Sure. You know, in the context of Jason Tatum's development, it's one. It's one game. 
in the context of an, an achievement in Australian basketball, it's everything. It's huge. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like it's way more of a, it's not a zero sum thing. You know, Australia can have this massive achievement and it doesn't make it a massive negative for, you know, for the careers of Jason Tatum and Brown and, and, and et al, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. It's interesting you're talking about the dynamics of the team. Like, mm-hmm. what other sort of, sort of, um, I guess, uh, things did you notice about the interactions between the Celtics players and and other members of the USA team and themselves? Yeah, definitely. Um, Campbell Walker seemed to be the most influential player on the court at all times right. across all teams, um, and which is interesting because he's very much the smallest player on the court across all teams at all times. But he was clearly like top dog. 100%. And like, he just, he always made something happen with the ball. Whereas there are other guys you can tell are still at a point in their careers where they, like they hit a brick wall mentally as far as what to do next as part of that play. And they can't like read and react as well. Whereas Campbell Walker just Mm -hmm. always was able to make something positive happen. Um, Mm -hmm. And... He, he's almost like this perfect combination of Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie Irving. He's a little bit taller than Isaiah, but he has this like agility and ability to get to the, to the hoop, um, but has mm-hmm. more of a flashy handle than Isaiah, more kind of like Kyrie. So it's sort of interesting right. given where we've been with Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie Irving to end up with Kemba Walker. He is almost like the perfect 50-50 combination of those two guys. Um, mm. uh, yeah, so that was interesting. Um, Marcus Smart had the majority of his minutes in Sydney. I wore my smart jersey to that game as well. It was fanboying very hard. Um, and Love Marcus. He <laughs> was so good. Like, he, you know, he dove on the floor for a, a, a meaningless defensive possession where, the, you know, as soon as the ball was loose and I saw that Marcus Smart was there, I, you know, I was there with my wife and my friend and I was like, Marcus is going to die for this ball. He did immediately. <laughs> um, but it was like he signed a blood oath with Pop to never shoot the ball. Because he was draining his right. threes in, in warm-ups. But even yeah. when he found himself open under the basket with seemingly no defenders, he was still passing out and looking for the right play, which um, excites me for how he'll riff off of Kemba Walker as either the two-guard or the backup point guard coming, coming into the Celtic season. Like he, He's the sort of perfect complement to an all-star point guard. Um, right. And he really showed that in these games, even though... He was maybe one of the more talented players on the court, you know, in this particular mm. exhibition. Um, he still maintained his Marcus Smartness, which was cool. Love Marcus. So much, yeah. Fanning fanning so hard. We, we were near the uh, the aisle where players walked in and out, and uh, mm. I, uh, I let him know. I let him know how much I love that man. <laughs> <laughs> I think he heard me. Um, the only other observation I made, and I was very, I was chuffed at the time to make this observation because I was in the fourth quarter of game one. And we'd all had a couple of drinks and nobody cared that I said this, but I was very vocal yeah. about it. Miles Turner, very effective against the zone defense. Um, he, right. uh, as, soon as, as soon as the Boomers started playing the zone defense, um, Team USA, at least in game one, responded very well by um, putting Miles Turner basically at the free throw line and just feeding him yep. the ball. And he would just sort of turn around. You could watch the highlights. He turns around and puts up these like floater shots, these like, teardrop shots that were just splashing in perfectly and he was just the perfect um like counter to that to that response by the aussies and he was just splashing Mm. these shots and he was so effective and uh it made me like kind of yearn for (laughs) for miles turner a little bit as a celtics fan 
um yeah he was just super effective in those moments and very good defensively as well and uh i was i was kind of impressed that um at that point in the game at a night where they were basically feeding us alcohol like from the get-go <laughs> that like it was so easy to make that observation he was clearly so effective. Oh, so you, you did get that with your vip tickets oh 100 <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was a good experience yeah we had a good time <laughs> Um, awesome, and, and and such a good time that it caused you to contemplate your Miles Turner for Jalen Brown trade proposals. Uh, interesting. Oh, I never said anything <laughs> about Jalen Brown, but um, yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up. We weren't going to do a Reddit recap as part of this episode, but a Reddit user Red Cigar did make a post. It was downvoted um, immediately. <laughs> um, I know how that is. My posts get downvoted all the time. He wrote, "Celtics need an All Star level big." Miles Turner willing to trade Jalen Brown to get him? Question mark. Um, I didn't plan to go here on this podcast, but we've kind of just ended up here <laughs> organically. How do, how would you feel? I mean, straight up, Jalen Brown fills a positional need for the Pacers. Miles Turner, obviously, biggest positional need for us is the center. Um, would you would you buy it on that trade offer at all? No, and the reason why is we're just in a different. Um, we're just in a different era right now. We're, we're, we're not like rebuilding, but we're not contending. And I think, um, I just think Jalen Brown, the player that Jalen Brown might be, I get backwards and forwards on this stuff, but the player that he might be is more valuable than the player that Miles Turner might be. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, and he's also a year younger as well. So, well, a year, got a year less experience as well too. So yeah. Um, I'm optimistic for Jalen Brown. I, I um, he's limited in, in so many respects, but I just I love how he came through last year. Um, I thought he had a really revealing year mm-hmm. last year, and, and what it revealed about him was good stuff. Yeah, and you know, like I said earlier, he certainly seemed like one of the more mature, uh, level-headed players in this this exhibition tour of Australia. Um, yeah, I. A couple of extra thoughts I wanted to give just while we're talking about it, particularly in the Sydney game. I got a chance to meet uh, a guy who I know listens to this podcast. His name's Aiden. Nice guy. Lives in Sydney. Shout out, Shout out to Aiden. Uh, we'd been messaging on Reddit for a little while. Knew that we were going to the game. Uh, so we caught up um, just inside the gate beforehand. Huge Celtics fan. And he actually got to meet Jason Tatum um, outside the Park Hyatt Hotel in Sydney a couple of nights earlier. Got a little photo with, with Tatum. So I was super stoked for that guy. And it was nice to meet him um, after chatting yeah. online for so long. And uh, Jake Eisenberg, who is one of the hosts of the Backdoor Cuts NBA podcast, Australian podcast, mm-hmm. full NBA coverage. Great, great podcast. Like I now listen to their episodes as soon as they release them because not... It's a strong recommendation. Well, dude. I... I you know, I have yeah. a nice group of friends, but only a, a small amount of them are actually into the NBA. And so right. um, I, I'm sure you can probably relate. And a lot of people in this part of the world can relate that um, like in, maybe your thirst for friendly NBA conversation is, is not often quenched. And so to hear a bunch of other Aussies talking about the NBA regularly is, is nice. So I know that they were at the Sydney game as well. And um and got to meet like Jason Tatum's mum and baby as well <laughs> while they were there. Jason Jason Tatum's sneakily hot mum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I didn't get to meet those guys, but um, it was just cool to know that they were there, um, and that we're all sort of part of that sort of Sydney 
Team USA experience together. So um, really, really good week, really good vibes, really felt like uh, we kind of leaned into this as a nation, as a region. Um, and I'm sad that it's over. Like I know that the team are leaving for China either tonight or tomorrow. And uh, it's a total bummer. Like I wish that it could just <laughs> continue going on. I've had so much fun just like knowing that it's all sort of happening around me, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, I think um, as a consolation, I, like I think this World Cup's going to actually be a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a just super friendly time zone for Aussies. Um, so yeah, you should enjoy it, man. Like there's going to be lots of games on at 8.30, 9.30 at night for you guys. Um, this is going to be a really interesting tournament. And there's a lot of guys, uh, like there's so much talent out there now that I feel like Redditors need to get amongst it. Um, it's going to be a really interesting tournament. It's going to be a lot more interesting than the Olympics because when the States brings their A-team, it really is kind of fate complete. But this is not. If you were to say Team USA or the field, I would say it's 50-50. I'd say it's even money between Team USA and the field. Yeah. That's, that's my... Yeah, absolutely. Which, like you said, it makes it it's an great. interesting watch. And there's teams like Serbia, you know, Australia. Um, I saw Canada the other night. They were they were no good. So I won't add them to this list. But they did smash the boomers uh, like a couple of weeks that, ago. That's true. That's true. Um, so Tall Blacks just took down Italy. Shout out to the... Okay, Tall Blacks, just a quick explainer. <laughs> it's not a racial thing. <laughs> to play on all blacks it's just a goofy yeah. thing anyway no yeah. it's good good clarification to make in this in this world that we are, are currently living in this very sensitive world um greece i think with with Giannis is um also worth shouting out as well Giannis I has the ability sure. to win any game on his own in the nba let alone on the fever mm. stage so that that's going to be interesting as well it's still tall how many first like because Jokic was first team all nba this year right i believe so, that's, so. yeah so that's two first teamers at least uh, in the tournament, and they're not playing for the states. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the mm. best players in the tournament, none of them really. I mean, Jokic, Giannis, and Patty Mills. <laughs> none, <laughs> none of them play for Team USA. Bogut, Bainsey, none of them play for Team USA. So um, there's a lot to be hopeful for, a lot to be excited yeah, about, awesome. and a lot to be worried about if you're listening over there in the states, uh, particularly as a Celtics fan. We could. I say we, our Celtics guys on Team USA could lose and there could be a lot of uh, grief coming our way as, as Celtics supporters. So prepare, prepare thyself. I, I want to finish on this. I actually think this is a massive opportunity for our guys because this is not like they're going to have to earn this, you know, like they, they, sh- they should be the favorites, but it's not going to be easy. And, and, and I think, um, if they win it, I think it'll be a really positive experience for our young for our young guys to have won something meaningful. It's they, these are meaningful basketball games. I promise uh-huh. you. Yep, yeah, absolutely for for all nations involved and and all fans. Mm. Uh, yeah, great point to finish on. All right, folks, that's gonna do it for another cracker episode of the Celtics Reddit podcast and. Before we go, do you know what is somewhat vexing? It's that we have more listeners than Twitter followers, and there's no better extension of this podcast than to follow us on Twitter, <laughs> and it gives us some clout out there in what is a very competitive and oversaturated podcast market. So if you are listening, 
pick up the phone or device that you're likely listening on and follow at Celtic Reddit Pod. And that way you can get all, all our takes. Jackson, Joe and myself. Shout out to Jackson, by the way, who's overseas and couldn't be here. You can get all of our takes right off our fingertips, uh, right onto your device. And you don't have to wait for our podcasts that are few and far between and rare in this off-season period. So that's the post-podcast housekeeping. Joe, we kind of touched on it a second ago, but who, if you had to make one, what's your prediction for the FIBA World Cup winner coming up? Uh, I'm going to give you one. Point of order first. I'm also overseas. So, Jackson, what up? <laughs> overseas in New Zealand? <laughs> yeah, that's technically, yeah. well, yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. There's AC. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I'm in Hobart, man. I'm in New Zealand. That's true. That's true. You're absolutely right. Yeah. How insensitive of um, me. <laughs> <laughs> prediction for the world cup i do think the states will take it so maybe i should if i if when it comes no the states is the most likely result i think so um yeah it's definitely the most likely result states of the field 50 50 um yeah so i'm gonna pick the states it's it's a bit unfashionable but i think they are gonna play uh i think i think they're gonna play serbia in the final serbia yeah. just they just toyed with new zealand like uh-huh. they, they just toyed with us um i was like Man, these guys are good. And um, Boban is super effective, like, as an international In the FIBA game, yeah. Not to mention Jokic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They just... They're so big. They're such a big team. And they shoot it and they pass it. Like, yeah. I really... Yeah, I really look forward to what will probably be a Serbia-USA grand final title match, whatever Mm. you want to call it. And, And I look forward to sort of stalking... Um, Giannis through this tournament as well because I think he's going to be a really interesting watch to see if he can carry this this Greece team, um, you know, through this this not star started tournament. So it's going to be interesting. I, I want Greece to win it. I want Greece to win. That'd it. be cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they need the the economic boost. So <laughs> I, could, I don't know if that'll help or not, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, all right, all right, folks. We'll be back about midway through the World Cup to sort of take the pulse on on what's going on in the tournament to that point. Thanks again for listening. Go Celtics. Peace. Peace.